Hi class, let's start chapter three. Okay. Um, so in the last class, when we talked about it, is the fact that, um, well, first of all, uh, okay. Um, I hope by now, you are able to uh, probably to uh, just give me a second, make sure. Differentiate. I hope by now you're able to differentiate between microeconomics and macroeconomics. In the macroeconomics, um, we examine uh, the mark at macro level. For example, for example, we end up talking about the GDP, GMP, what happens if the interest rate goes up or the interest goes down. What's happened if there is more supply of money in the market or less supply of money? What's happened during the booms or booming and what's happening during the recession? So we look at the whole country and try to analyze it, what the cause and the effect. On a micro level, what we do, and, and basically before I start talking about micro level, in the beginning of class, I, we, we, we said that, you know, uh, in, your, in your marketing research, uh, basically there was a hypothesis. You learned about hypothesis and how you build the hypothesis. And if it's, uh, there is a positive coloration or negative coloration between two factor and we assume the others is not as, as it is, then it drives a theory. So all the market uh, or the economics theories is driven from that concept is the fact that if an E changes and we assume all other factors still uh, does not change, any changes in A will result in a change in B. So back when we talk about uh, macro, we talk about macroeconomics. We talk on a on a you know um, uh, general level, the total level, the growth of GDP, GMPs. We talk about increasing the interest rate. What happened to the country? Decreasing the internet uh, interest rate. What's happening to the country? So these are the issues that we use or we try to solve and understand 
when uh, when we talk on a macro level, on the country level, what causing what. On a micro level, we try to focus on certain person or industry or a firm. And we try to analyze what causing something change will result in changing in another. Just before you start getting confused, just gonna explain to you what the difference between macro and micro in the, uh, basically in one case. Now, when the, let's say a recession, a during a recession, on a macro level, a during the recession, you would see um, uh, probably, you know, the demand, the consumption for the whole country goes down because people during the recession, then, uh, you know, it, 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 you look at it and because of the GDP and GMP is going down a little bit and, you know, the spending is going down. So all these things, happening during the recession, the whole country. Now, during that recession, there is some firms or some companies or some industry, although the whole country is going down as a recession, they are booming. And this is where how we do a micro analysis. So microeconomic analysis is like this. So you see like a country going through a recession or right now because of Corona, you know, the country's growth is slowing down, but the growth in, for example, in education is going up. And the reason is the demand is increasing for people joining the college and universities. So you notice whenever there is a recession, we say not every industry goes down, but the summation of all the industries, some of them positive, some of them negative, but because the negative is more, the whole country as a recession will go down. But there is a pockets within the country, which is belongs to probably individuals or a firm or a certain industry goes up. And during the recession, education, uh, uh, it goes up. And the reason is because during the recession, there is more on the level of unemployment is higher. So the people have a tendency to uh, join a, co a college or university. So there is more demand for the college and universities. And this is why the education sector during the recession goes up and it's not going down. Within the same industry, I can give you one more example, which is, you know, you can differentiate between the marketing, uh, microeconomic, why there is a difference. Now, let's say, um, I think you heard of the canopies. Canopies is, you know, the places where, you know, you go is like, look like a camp 
and they use it in a marketing uh, events. And usually there is an ad, whomever went to a, a, a meeting event or a marketing or some event, they saw these canopies. Now, during this recession or caused by Corona, this within, you know, within the, the industry of marketing, supplying these tools, the, the companies who supply these canopies uh, went down. And the reason is because people are not making uh, enough and they're not interested to have gathering together. There is no event, so nobody is buying canopies for, you know, same thing with uh, hardware brochures. So when it's a recession uh, or a crisis like this, the demand for canopies goes down. So the, the, you know, the price goes down and then you see the suppliers will be less and less. Um, but the electronic marketing, it goes up in, um, in this case because during the case of Corona, so we see how we analyze this because people start doing more electronic marketing, like a digital marketing and all these things. So from a, we need to analyze why the digital marketing went up during this situation is because the physical marketing went down and the people shift to using this. But if you look at the digital marketing and the physical marketing is represented by canopies, it depends how these are growing, but you know, overall, this is what it's when you talk about marketing. So if you're analyzing the digital marketing, although the whole country is going through some kind of a recession, but you see that the digital marketing is going up. So from market, uh, marketing, the whole picture, we say this is the cause and reason why the country is going through a recession. But on a micro level, we talk about this is the cause and reason why um, uh, digital marketing is going up. Now, don't get confused between uh, uh, the, the, the graph or the supply and demand, because the law of demand, what it says, it says, when the price increase, the demand decrease for the quantities wanted. And when the, uh, the price decrease, the quantity demanded increase. So that within the supply, I mean, the demand curve, things is moving around the demand curve. And the same thing, the law of supply says, when the price increase, the quantity supplied is increase. And when the price decrease, the quantity supplied decrease. So within the same you know, curve of demand like this and supply. 
here is what's the assumption that you need to take in mind, that everything else is constant, except what changes is the price. We have the move around it. Now, if anything else changes, we will have some shift in or out, inward or outward, uh, in the demand or in the supply. And that's what's happening in the shift. Uh, we did that, cover that in the chapter two. So we have a movement around, around the curve of supply or a graph of supply and demand. And we have a shift out and shift in uh, for the demand and shift out and shift in for the supply. And we, we explained in the chapter two, what causing the shift out or shift in in the demand and what causing the shift out and shifting in the supply. So these are the things that you really need to understand and start doing it. So um, I really, um, I'm gonna attach a, a short video in yeah, what I'm looking for uh, your practice on on the follow the instruction there, and it's it, it is by one of the, on the YouTube. So it, it is a beautiful thing that you have to learn how to graph and write the uh, the supply and demand. Then you will be able to analyze any changes, whether it's in the price uh, or, or within uh, you know what causing you know, the demand goes up and down and what's causing the, de the demand shift out and in. Same thing with the supply. Do that practice and, uh, you know, try to answer it and then match it with that video, whether it's, it's gonna, so, so watch it and go through that process as they, how they, it's gonna instruct you. Um, so this uh, up to the, time. Now, here where we are going to talk about an elaborations of demand and supply in a micro level, what happens in the situation where is, you know, um, other things might uh, affect the demand and supply. Now, um, The, the learning ob objective on this chapter is understand that even when the, when where market are not competitive, the force of demand and supply still apply. Explain the effect of simultaneous change in supply and demand on equilibrium uh, prices and quantity traded. We're also gonna explain the markets uh, do not always work well. And there is an assignment that you need to do. Maybe I will announce it uh, later on. And also gonna describe why price ceiling cause shortage. Also, going to talk about the, the price floor 
and I'm gonna set the price for which is wire price floor cause a surplus and explain how quotas work and what effect they have on a production and a price. And also will be explain how the sales tax and subsidies affect the market. Now, in general, uh, marketeers usually uh, market matters, I'm sorry, the market matters, um, we say under what circumstance do the force of demand and supply determine the price of the product? It is basically, we said in the earlier of this class and also in earlier chapters, where there is a perfect competitive market. No other things interfere with it, just the price and demand. And we assume everything is constant. So this is what you call a perfect competitive market. And uh, the products are very similar and nothing is special about certain suppliers compared to the others. Everything is uh, constant and similar except the prices and the uh, demand. And also, where is the, there are no big dominant firms and, and, and no government influence. <clears throat> so no, we, once again, we talk about, this is what you call a perfect market. Now, and when we say no government interferes, like no rules or regulation on quota or on a price ceiling or price uh, floors, all these things. So note that the, the competitive market as we described it earlier, only work well if they are a truly competitive. But why do we have, we and we don't have a competitive, uh, you know, a perfect market or perfect competitive market, but what we learn, it works well for a competitive market. But these rules, the law of supply, the law of demand, is can be applicable also and can help us to understand uh, a non-competitive or non-perfect market. So generally, whenever a group of participating are collectively buying or selling in the market, the benefit of competition are seriously reduced. So we don't have a perfect market, but we can utilize the supply and demand, the law of supply and demand, and explain even when there is no, uh, you know, no perfect market and no perfect competition. Now, um, the firm can price its fusion car at whatever level it wishes. An example we said here is when Ford decided to price their car and instead of a 20,000, it becomes a 25,000. So uh, what's happened here, 
when they said we want to price it at $25,000, which is here, suddenly they are willing to supply what? They wanted to, at $25,000, they're willing to supply 90,000 cars, for example. But the customers or the buyers, they did not see this car is really worth of $25,000. So because they saw the price is very high and the value of the price for the, the value that this car is giving is not equal, the, the demand was less. So at 25,000, the supply was a 90, as you see here, but the demand was 70. So we end up with having 20,000 cars uh, surplus. There is more 20,000 cars in the market, which is nobody wants to buy them. So if, if the Ford wants to sell its cars, yes, they have to seek the equilibrium. As they are reducing the price for their car, here, as they start reducing the price of their car, you see the, 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 the number of supplies shifted down. And as they are start reducing the, the, the price of the car, the demand part of it kept increasing until they met in the equilibrium level, where they at 20,000, dollars a car, they, the market demanded 80, which is that's the equilibrium. So there were a surplus and they had an option where they lose uh, because they, there's the 20,000 cars that's not sold or reduce their price so they can <clears throat> sell all the cars. If it wants to sell all its output, it must sell them at the price of $20,000 or less. Now, if it's less, then we will talk about how the shortage is happening. But if it overpriced it at 25, say $25,000, the result will be 20,000 surplus or unsold. Now, so determines uh, of the supply and demand here is basically the determines of of uh, demand. What determines the demand? The consumer preference, and we spoke about it. The consumer income uh, or purchase power parities in you know in a macro level or micro level their income. The price related to the product we talked about, you know, we basically exchange dollars, which is the price for a value we are getting. And the, we talked about the future expectation uh, of the price, whether it's gonna go up and down, the future expectation of the incomes and whether if these products are available in the future or not. We spoke about the, um, the, the population, the size of the population, the income distribution, 
and we brought the example of Mercedes versus uh, um, probably a T-shirt. The population, its size, income distribution, and age, and the distribution itself. On the supply side, we looked at the price of productive resources. What's the cost to produce these products? And we analyze what's happened, shift out or shift in. We spoke about the taxes, business taxes, technology. And we said technology doesn't mean IT, it's just improving with, for example, on a broad example of a chainsaw and with the chainsaw you can cut 20, but without chainsaw, you can get only five. So that's improving technology, better technology. Then we, we talked about the price substitute in the production and the future expectations of suppliers, whether the suppliers can increase their price or reduce their product. So you, as a firm who will take these supplies and process it. <coughs> and we spoke about numbers of the suppliers, if this decrease or increase, what's causing you know, the, the amount that's being supplied to the market. So the si simultaneous change in supply and demand in increase in both supply and demand lead to increase in the equilibrium. So we said when, when the supply is has first can, you know, the law of supply is as the price increase, uh, the demand supplied is more. But we said, if anything else changes, we will see a shift out or shift in. And here, what we see is the supply goes from S1 to S2 and the demand is also going from uh, D1 to D2. So the, the wages, uh, the, the price stays constant, but the quantity is shifting. And if they increase the same amount, the equilibrium price remain unchanged. Here, the price of the labor is called wage. So let's assume that um, the price of the labor is, or the wage is, Consider the suppliers are the people who graduate from colleges and they want to work. When they work, there is a price on, they, they're asking for a price. Now, if there is more people are graduating and suddenly there is a jump, for example, in the field of IT, you will notice that as people more graduating, they're getting more jobs in the field of IT and because IT is booming, so there is more demand for the hiring uh, people. So the more they come in the market, the more the suppliers are willing to take it and you will see a shift out from the suppliers and a shift out from the demand. And this is where is really a growth probably happening here. Here, don't get confused. Um, the wage level is the price of people who graduated from the school 
or university and willing to work. So that's the price level. So the price of labor is called, here is called uh, wage. And if they, if they increase the same amount, both of them, then the price stays constant, doesn't change. Now, what cause the price goes up? Increase in both demand and supply lead to an increase in the equilibrium, the quantity. But if change in supply, say, two units, and change in demand is four units. So you notice that the, the, the increase in supply, not as much as an increase in demand. So here where the demand is more and the supply, the demand increase and the demand increase level is more and the supply increase level is not as much, eventually what will happen there is more demand than the supply. So eventually we said that there is more, the price goes up. So here in the case, once again, if the demand increase more than supply, the price equilibrium raise up. Let me give you an example. Let's assume that um, the supply of uh, graduate students in the field of IT 1000, but the demand to hire uh, an IT graduate is 6,000. So here 1,000 is, so, so always there is a demand for uh, graduate students in the field of IT. So everybody is competing on taking this graduate student from the field of IT. So its price is going higher then. So if the shift in the demand, as you notice here from D1 to D2, is higher than the shift in the supply, then automatically, well, the quantity is higher needed. And also because the quantity needed is much higher than the quantity supplied, there is increase in the price. Now increase in both demand and supply lead to increase in the equilibrium quantity. So on the reverse, so I just want you to compare. See the first case here, we had a both increasing in the same level, shifting out. And we had said that the price would not change, only quantity. Here we said there is a shift out, both of them increasing, but the demand is more than the supply. So technically, 
quantity increases, but it's still demand because it's bigger than the supply, the price keeps going up. Here, what we see if the supply increases more than demand, so the shift out is of supply is higher than the shift out of demand, then the equilibrium, uh, the price is false. And why the price is false? We're still gonna see that the demand uh, for the quantity on the vertical axis, you will see that there is, you know, still increasing, but because the demand is less than the supply, that's the reason where is the price is decreasing. So in the first case here, if you see D1 and S1, demand one and S1, the equilibrium are probably at, uh, you know, uh, quantity one and wage one. But if you notice that the demand may be increasing 1,000 per day, per year, the supply of IT graduate students is 10,000. So that's causing, first of all, uh, you know, there is more in the market. So the company's hiring less. So the salaries is going down and the quantity is still gonna go up. So the new equilibrium, it's gonna go eventually um, at uh, demand to and supply to, which is lower wages and higher quantity. And the higher quantity is because of the shift of demand, but the lower wages is because there is you know, uh, less interest to get more demand, more employees in the field of IT. So if supply increases more than demand, the equilibrium price will fall. In general, and this is where you can put it in one picture, the simultaneous changes that's happening between supply and demand, you see the, as the demand increase, what happened? Generally, the price increase. So at the same time, the quantity supplied increase, but it depends on if the demand is higher or the supplier. Then here where you say, okay, if, the, if one is higher than another, then we determine the price. So if the supplies is higher than demand, then we determine the price. But we know the quantity is increased. In the second case, as the supply is increased, the price technically will decrease. And the quantities as the price decreases, the quantity demanded or consumed is increased. But eventually we're not clear whether the price is gonna go up or down, but we're sure 
the, the quantity is going to go up. And the reason we're not sure of this question mark is depend on which one is higher. And we said if the demand is higher than this, because the demand is higher, then this might go up. And we said if the supply is higher, then this might go down. So we definitely in both cases, as the supply or demand increase, and uh, you know the quantity goes up, but we depend on the case which one it's at by how much have more increase, whether it's demand or supply, that will affect the price. Now, similarly, as the demand decrease and the supply decrease, both of them is shifting in. And it's really good while I'm explaining, you probably need to put a graph and start graphing it and see how this is happening. So you have the supply and demand, the both shifting, supply shifting and up, and the demand shifting this. So when you say shifting up means really not means more, it's just less. And because that's the supply, move up. And then once we say demand is shifting in, means it's less. So that's the reason I say you need to graph it. So as the demand and supply, both of them going down because of other reason, not the pricing, you will see, um, you know, um, depend on which one, the quantity will go down, definitely in this case, but depend on which one is shifting faster and more, the price will, uh, whether it's gonna go up or down. Now, as the demand increase and the supply decrease, we said, once again, you need to draw to understand it better to comprehend it. The price will go up and the reason because the demand increase and the supply decreasing, but it depends um, uh, which one is higher as amount wise, that will affect, uh, you, know, you know, as the demand increase, the supply decrease, the price goes higher, but the quantity is not clear. And as the demand decrease, and the supply increase um, because the demand decrease and the supply increase, you have the prices goes definitely down and we need to know the quantity is going down according to how far these things are shifting from each other. Each other. So basically what you need to do is you need to go draw something like that. You see here in this case, the amount that shifted between say S1 and S2, you know, the space is so bigger than the demand. And the one before you notice here, the amount of the supply shifted is less than the demand. So that's what you need to graph it in order to understand how it works. Now, let me test your understanding. Say 
explain what effects that change will have on equilibrium price and quantity in the following market. So my advice to you, you keep a pen and paper always for a question like that and draw the graphs and then you can, can come up on conclusion. So let's say the daycare services in the market of daycare services. Here we are on a micro level huh? because the daycare micro uh, industries, okay? And the second question is marijuana about the product. Now on the daycare services, more mothers with the small children are returning to the labor force. At the same time, the government decide to introduce the subsidies for the daycare. What's the effect there? And basically, you know, more mothers are going back to work. So there is more demand for uh, for uh, such a service. Now, and because the government is giving a subsidies to people who provide this kind of services, the, they are making more profit, so there is more supplies happens. Now, we don't know the price, what's gonna happen, whether it's gonna go up or down, is depend whether the demand higher or the supply is higher, but definitely we know the quantity will be supplied more because um, they, the government giving subsidies to such services. Now, when it comes to marijuana, the government several increases, uh, severely increases the, the penalties for both buying and selling marijuana. So what's happening in this case? So when the law becomes more restrict, what we see, people who buys marijuana, some of them get scared because they don't wanna to go to the jail, so they stop using or buying them uh, marijuana. So the demand decrease. On the other side, people who sell these drugs, they don't wanna go in the, you know, uh, such a problem. So even the supply is decreased. Now we don't know which one is, has decreased more, is the demand or the supply. And it depends on that, we can determine the price, but definitely now, because the demand decreased, the supply decreased, the quantity in the market decreased. This is how you do a justification. Now explain what the effect that the change will have in the equilibrium price and quantity in the following market. In a case of DVD, a new processing method significantly reduced the cost of producing DVD. Here where we talk about it, technology improvement. At the same time, more consumers are uh, download the music only there onto their computer. 
here what do we talk about the substitute effects now what happened because of the technology um, improved we know from chapter two as the technology improved the shift there is more supply happening in the market so the shift will be outward and because we saw that the dvd people start instead of using dvd they start you downloading the music over the internet in the same time uh, they started having less demand for buying cds so the supply increased because of the technology and the demand decreased because of the substitution effect and they start you know downloading it so once the supply increase and the demand increase, definitely the price will decrease. But what about the market, the quantity in the market? It depends. If there is increase in the market for CD players or DVD players, then the quantity might increase. It depends on how much this technology affected the shift out of the suppliers and how much the taste of the customers causing the shift in because of the substitution effect. So the difference, if, if it's higher, then there is more. Uh, if it's higher uh, from the supplier side, there is more quantity in the market. And if there is a lower from the demand side, the less quantity in the market. The second thing here, when the organic vegetables, vegetarians increase as a result of medical report extruding its health benefit. Here, it's the taste changes. And at the same time, tighter regulation on the definition of organic growing products uh, introduced. So you need to notice the vegetarians is um, uh, suddenly um, uh, there is tighter on the supply side because of the rules and regulation. So it, this uh, in the cost the cost is going higher for the supply side. So the, the supply reduce. And the demand, because of the, this uh, taste and new taste and healthy announcement, the, you know, the consumer uh, preferences increases, the demand increase. So the supply is going down normally in the demand increase. It's definitely, there is a price increase, but it depends on these two what's happened in the shift, once again, the quantity will be determined. So how well, once again, you just go uh, test your basic understanding through the, the, the video that I, I put it and follow what the, the gentleman is saying in the video and practice, follow the practice. So that makes you a stronger as uh, understanding better of law of supply, law of demand, shifting out, shifting in, 
of the supply shifting out and shifting in of the demand. And that can, then it help you, then you can understand these are better because this will build, uh, as we said in the first class, you need to be strong on the base so you can build this part, which is, uh, gets more, uh, I told you it's gonna get more complicated. So how well do the market uh, works? Now, with uh, the problem with the market is market do not always adjust as quickly as we would like. It takes time sometimes to adjust and sometimes it's not very quick as we would like. Um, uh, market do not always produce equitable results and competitive market may not exist for some goods or services. So these are things that we will be explaining each one of them and how the interference by the government or a third party will influence these uh, issues uh, to make it quicker or make it more equitable or, uh, you know, make the market more competitive. Now, one of the things that we look at is a price control. When the government regulate the price of a product, it is called a price control. And we have two type of price control. One is a price ceiling and one is a price floor. Price ceiling means a government regulation stipulating the maximum price that can be charged for a product. And in the price floors, government regulations stipulating that the minimum price that can be charged for a product. And I think you might be, you had gone through some of these stuff and you know you buy something that probably can be you know, should be more expensive than it is in the market, but you get it for a cheap. Um, or, uh, you know, you're buying something that's supposed to be cheaper in the market and you get it expensive. As an example, um, there is a price ceiling for a falafel in Kuwait. You cannot sell uh, a sandwich of falafel more than half a dollar. Um, that's a price ceiling because that's the highest you can charge for it. More than a, you cannot sell it more than a, a sandwich of falafel. Don't more than half a dollar. And when it comes to the uh, price flooring, like a minimum wage, here you cannot hire somebody with a less fifteen dollars an hour. So there is a price that you cannot go lower, that's a price floor. And from the name itself, it's a floor, you cannot go lower than floor. And a price ceiling, it's the ceiling. You cannot go higher than the ceiling. So these are the two price control that probably the government puts it in. Sometimes it's happened if there is an oligopoly and monopoly, they might, you know, it doesn't have to be a government, could be, you know, a cartel does that also. 
and we will be probably end of the books will be talking about cartel and how the monopoly, oligopoly, they work. So in the price ceiling, which is you cannot go higher, use when the present market price for a product, for particular product is considered too high for many buyers. Example, like uh, during wartime, things keeps going very high because uh, people wants to store for things getting worse or, you know, this is in stable time. So they put, and because of war, there might be shortage there also. Um, so the government comes in with the rule says, this is the highest uh, supplier can sell it. The other thing of price ceiling that we see is a rent control where, you know, you, you say, that's the amount for two bedrooms in Toronto, which is used to be. Uh, there is a rent control. You cannot go higher than that. That's a called uh, price ceiling. And basically it caused by a shortage. And we know if the supply less than demand, the price keep going up. But when the market, when the government says a put a regulation saying you cannot go higher than that, you know, that's what you call a price ceiling. And causing the price goes high is because of shortage. It is less supply than demand. So to explain that in a graph, um, basically is the initial equilibrium, let's say rent is $600 and the 100 rental units. So at the equilibrium, uh, uh, if we say that the real, if we leave everything free, the real equilibrium is really at $1,000 and 100 units available, 100,000 units available. But when the government says, no, you cannot rent at $1,000. What's happened to the supply? Supply will supply less. And because the rent is like now 600, the demand will be higher. So people says, why we have a roommate, each one will get its own apartment, for example. So the supply at the $600 is only willing to supply 90 apartment because it's not profitable for him. Now, on the other hand, people start thinking of, so, okay, so the rent is cheap outside. Why should I stay in the dorm, in the school? Or why should I stay with my roommate? Each one of us gets an apartment. Suddenly, the demand for, uh, for the renting, it goes high and they're willing to do 120,000 units. So there is a shortage between the supply is providing 90 and the demand is once 120. So there is a 30,000 uh, units shortage you feel in, in the market. So a price ceiling create a shortage of 30 rental units. Now, how to decide who gets this shortage? Who will be there is we say there is a 30 units or 30,000 
units is demanded more. People are going around trying to get a, an apartment. The government, how they will decide who's supposed to get this remaining 90,000. Um, you can leave it up to the market, which is the demand and supply, and you know, say as lazy fears. The second thing you can do is a lotteries. So you draw names, and this is what happened. Very good example, always, and it's always is happening there. When you want to go, for example, to Mecca, Saudi Arabia, what they did, they put a quota, they give it, they give numbers that Iran can send only, um, I don't know, 60,000, I think, Turkey, 60,000, uh, Kuwait, 10,000, India, uh, 120,000, something like that, to Mecca. So because there is a quota, so there is a shortage and the shortage was happened, the government of India and government say not happening in India, but the government of Iran start running a lottery. And they put all the people who demand to go to Mecca, it could be half a million people uh, in a lottery and they draw 60,000 names out of them who is getting involved. That's happening in the three years. Otherwise, if you don't win the lottery of going to the shrines, you wait your line for the next 10 years. After 10 years, you might get to your turn. So that's a lottery. The second thing, you might have first come, first serve. And you happen, um, there is, maybe you don't see it here in Canada, but there's some restaurants when you go there, you say, you go and they said, we're sorry, we're, we're done, we're finished. And they have a very limited food to supplies, number of people, so first come, first serve. And then you have the producer's preference, just saying you prefer this customer because he, you like him or you like her or she can give a tips over that customer. And that's another way of doing it. And then what do you have? A rationing, which is used in many countries where you tell them that amount you are entitled monthly or yearly. Uh, so you give them, you know, some kind of a, a food stamps in USA, well, for example, having it in um, lots of uh, third world country, they also, they give a rationing, which is according to your numbers of, of families, how many people, then you will give them exact amount or some amount of basic food like rice, oil, cooking oil, whatever, uh, you know, uh, needed. So that's called an, a rationing and happening with your, you know, some kind of a certification the government will issue for you. So these are the ways of allocating the shortage, allocating what um, quantity is there versus, uh, you know, because there is a shortage, if we said, if there is 120 units needed and there is only 90 units, it's available on market. 
So there is a 30 units short, shortage. So this 90, this is how they distribute it. So suppose the government introduce a price ceiling. And we said when there is a price ceiling that uh, is a 20 cent is different from the present equilibrium. What would be resolved in this in be a surplus or a shortage of one quantities? So there we see that the government is the price at 90, what we will have when the price at 90, and it's not at a uh, hundred and or a dollar 10 cents here. This is the equilibrium. And when the price at 90, which is here, see, what will happen? The supplier will supply less, the demand will be higher. So there is a shortage. When you look at the 90, the supplier will be providing only 44, yet the demand is 56. And the shortage is happening is this part, which is at 12,000 liters. So on the other hand, so if there is always, you know, there's a price ceiling, you would notice uh, the price could be higher and there is a shortage, uh, but the government not willing it to be higher. But when it comes to the price floor and the price should be, should not be going lower than that. It's used when the present market price for a particular product is considered to be too low for a product. For example, here and farmers produce, and if they leave it in a free market, will be too low. And what happened, then it's gonna be less beneficial, there is less profit. So farmers, which is they are the suppliers, will go out. So an example, like the minimum wage, uh, so the government says nobody should pay less than $15 an hour. And that's a minimum wage in Ontario. And maybe uh, the supplier should be, thinks that th that job should be worth $5 an hour, but by law he has to pay $15 an hour. So that's called a minimum wage. And uh, sometimes, and I said, in the agricultural market, this is happening. A price floor. Price floor will cause a surplus because suddenly um, this uh, supply is higher because the prices is now is higher. Everybody will be willing to work. Uh, all the farmers seeing that they're making more profit, so they're producing more. But because the price is so high, people will um, you know uh, will buy less. So this is what causing. The, the, the surplus. So price floor, the initial equilibrium supposed to be at $5 and the quantity is at 20, well here in the 20 million. But what's happened here, because the government said 
nobody should sell it more than seven, less than $7. So that's the lowest you can go here. That's what the price floor is all about. So suddenly, suppliers feeling that they're making profits, a lots of profit, they start supplying more. So they're willing to supply, and instead of only 20, they're making 25. On the other hand, because the consumers or the demand side feel these things are expensive, they're cutting down on their purchase. And actually, at the 707, they're not anymore willing to pay uh, uh, buy a 20 because it's more expensive. They will say they were willing to pay by only 15. So you see the notice here, the suppliers give, supplying 25, but the consumers are taking only 15 and there is a surplus. So anytime there is a price floor, you end up having a surplus. So the minimum wage cause unemployment. That's how you look at it. Because people see that working for $15 an hour, there's more profit in it than working that $5 an hour. So lots of people will be uh, stop uh, education or anything. They will go in the market, for example, and the supply increase. On the other hand, the businesses start seeing that, uh, you know, if I'm hiring one person, it's going to cost me $15 instead of $5. So they're going to hire, and instead of 10 people, they are hiring five people. So suddenly there is a surplus. The equilibrium here, as we saw in the minimum wage, uh, $7 costs a surplus of 20 workers. So there is a surplus of a 10 extra workers in the market. So dealing with the surplus, how we deal it with it. If it's a perish, non-perishable good, we can store it. If it's you know, perishable or non-perishable good, we can convert it. Like, you know, you take a, fruit and you start converting it to a dry fruit at selling in the market. You take milk and you start converting it to yogurt and sell it in the market. It's convert. Um, so there is, you can store it, the surplus, and leave it until the, there is more demand and you can give it and less supply. You can convert it. You can sell it abroad at the reduced price. And that's lots of countries don't prefer it because it's called dumping. You can donate it, give it away, and you can destroy it, which is the least wanted socially. Cannot, uh... So here, what we notice that in the storing is acceptable. You keep your food, you can some, you know, especially if you notice that the weeds uh, or the greens is get stored in the green elevators for the days that there is not much supply there for it, so they can use it that. And we said that you know you, you can convert it. For example, you can convert you know uh, milk to. Uh, 
yogurt. But most of the time, you, you, countries do not want to uh, sell it abroad at a reduced price because that's a dumping. And when you're selling it at a reduced price, the other country, which happens to them, is usually they stop producing. So you might hurting that company, that country, or you might be selling it at a regular price to these countries and suddenly you have an excess and you dump in it and the country, you just uh, disrupt your, your business. And you can donate it, but also, also gonna disrupt your businesses. Uh, so you wait for the war time, the crisis time, you can donate that. And destroying, you throw it, in, and that's what they do in the States and Canada sometimes. Not very popular, they throw it in the water or they burn it, and that's unacceptable. Uh, but that's excess of surplus. The other way that might have a government interfering and in is called, they put the law of quota. Quota has different effects and depend where you're putting it. You could be quota in exporting, quota in importing, or quota is basically in production or consumption. This depends where is it has its own effect. But a quota or a restricting output here can rise the price without causing a surplus. So basically telling the farmer you can only produce um, 10 tons of wheat per year, for example, that's a quota. You can tell uh, you know, a company to produce 1000 cars only. So that's a quota, you give them a quota. And this quota could be maximum and quota minimum. So it's like, a, but you give them exact number and here, what you see, the equilibrium price is, uh, says, at $4 when the quantity is six. So if the price is four and the quantity is six, eh, the demanded, that's the equilibrium. But because you're telling them, no matter what's the price, you're gonna have, the, uh, you're gonna have only uh, four. So, you're gonna have to draw a, a, a vertical line here. So if the price is three, four, you're still gonna get the price say two, even six or seven or eight or $9, you're all gonna get four, uh, four, uh, four million. So it's basically what's happening at four, uh, you know, uh, the, there is uh, a surplus and the surplus comes in, uh, the equilibrium price at four at $4 at the quantity of the $6. It's basically, you look at it separately, supply and quota and demand and quota. Now, at the quota, which is, is for 4 million, what's the demand? 
is six. At a quarter of four million, what would be the supply is four. So what happened here, uh, a quarter of a $4 raises the price to a $6. This is the price. So the customer is willing to pay $6 for it. And this is cause a quota is restricting the output and also an always cause can raise the price of uh, without causing any surplus there because the supply is not able to produce more. Doesn't matter, although the price is higher than equilibrium and we know that the supplier, when he's making more profit higher than an equilibrium, likes to supply more. But the government restriction says, no, you're not gonna supply more. Although there is more demand for it, but they're not supplying more. And also, on the other hand, the demand is also is there is more, uh, you know, uh, at, a, at that price, there would be no more production. So whatever the things in the market, there is a consumption for it. So it depends, you look at the quota, whether is when we will be talking about more, whether this quota is here or it's here. So in this case, if it's here, a quota raise the price of six and cause no surplus because there's equilibrium here. So there's no surplus, always shortage in the market. But if you draw it here, then the quota might have a surplus. So just to get more detail, in the equilibrium, what will the total revenue received by uh, uh, producers? Suppose that the government impose a price of $4 per kilo. So there is a price uh, limit. What quantity will be demanded? What quantity will be uh, will be the farmer produce? What quantity will be the government buy? And how much it will cost to buy it? So the first thing you do, you draw and you say, the price now is four per kilo. So when the price is four per kilo means the quantity supplied is six. When the price per kilo is four, the quantity demanded is five, okay? So that's the price. Now, where you have less demand and more supply, it means supply. So the total revenues, because it is five units in general uh, here, uh, multiply by 3.5 and produce $17 and a half. So they are giving it an example of that. And here you notice that the quantity is a four 
and uh, demanded in quantity, supplied is six. And the buy, they buy six minus four is uh, remaining. Uh, and because the quantity is supplied is six and the quantity is demanded as only four, the difference is what you call surplus. And that's what the responsibility of the government to take it, whether they're gonna store it, buy it, uh, throw it or dump it or whatever the reason. I just want you to understand what's happened to this. No need to look at the calculation on a detailed base as now. The other thing that you're looking at is tax and subsidies. The excise tax is the a sales tax imposed on a particular product. So when you selling something, you add a, a tax on it, which is an excise tax. It's a, and that will, if the suppliers takes it all, then its cost, we said, is gonna be higher for producing. And if it, the cost of production is higher, means they make less profit and they're shifting in. They are not, you know, supplies is less. And, uh, the demand stays in here. So if we assume that all the taxes that is the uh, government imposing it is going on the back, on the shoulders of the suppliers. So here, what's happened is the equilibrium price starts at eight, no taxes. But then when the taxes happen, the profits less and the suppliers shift in. So now you notice that the supplies is more expensive, uh, things are more expensive and that's causing him to reduce, uh, you know, shifting in number of suppliers. But what you notice here also, when this shift happens, they are producing less and the new equilibrium, because they're producing less, it becomes four in the market instead of five. And when it's less, then the price goes up because there are more demanded and the price goes from eight to nine. So equilibrium price starts at eight as $2 per case tax shifted, uh, left the suppliers because it's more expensive with the new equilibrium happens at nine. Now the consumer will pay $9 and the firm gets Although the consumer is paying $9, still the, the, the firms will get the seven because still they have to pay the $2 for the government as they impose the taxes. So the taxes cost of $2 probably shared equally because you notice here without taxes is eight. And with the taxes suddenly becomes nine. Uh, and that nine, if 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 the if, if the consumer doesn't have to pay anything, uh, supposed to be ten, but because the consumer has you know willing to pay more for uh, due to the shortage in the market, so they go to equilibrium of nine. So in the long run, 
the consumer will be paying nine and uh, $1 extra on the back of, uh, on the shoulder of the consumer. And because the total uh, taxes is $2, $1 paid by the consumer and already in $1 remaining paid by the supplier. So it gets divided. So an excise tax shift the supply curve to the left and eventually it will be adjusted. Now, the subsidies is different in the different. Here in the tax, you're putting an extra cost on the supplier. In the subsidies, you're telling the other supplier, go and produce and I will give you money, some part of it for you, for some part of the money. It means when he does his calculation is there is more profit for him. So we know if there is more profit, what's gonna happen? Supplier will supply more, a shift out happens. So when a shift out, because the cost is less, he making more profit. So the, the, the supplier will supply more shift out. So, What's happening here, the equilibrium price start at $2 and per, per case. The shift of the supply out, so if here happened at $2, there is a 40. Suddenly, the suppliers are making more profit because there is a subsidy government is paying for them and they are willing to supply more. And when they're willing to supply more, is the new price becomes a dollar fifty, and because it's cheaper, uh, that you know is uh, uh, now the demand increases. So as equilibrium price starts at two dollars, as one dollar per case subsidy shift the supply to the right because they're making more profit. With the equilibrium now becomes a dollar and a half which is, this is the new equilibrium, okay? The equilibrium quantity increases because uh, supplies are supplying more, making more profit. And because the price is going down, the demand is becomes higher. So in the end, um, we, my advice to you, any case scenario that you have, you first, you need to draw it, and see how it works, and then draw what's the movement. We said in the law supply, um, the, 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 the demand law and the supply law prices within in, and we talked about if everything constant, if other things changes, and you know we're not talking about the price, we will see a shift out or shift in, and we talked about how these things is affecting the prices and the quantity. So here the key concept to remember is market work best in a competitive environment. The effect on the equilibrium prices and quantity of simultaneously changes in supply and demand. Why market, we spoke about why market do not always work well because the interference or you know adjustment is not really uh, smooth as it's supposed to be. 
why the price ceiling creates shortage and you saw on the graph and why the price floor creates surplus and you saw it in the graph and we brought an example of you know, minimum wage. The effect of taxes and subsidies and later on probably we'll be talking more details of when you're imposing the, uh, the minimum wage is good for the market and when you're not, when you're imposing a minimum wage is bad. The minimum wage has two parts of it. You need to analyze is, does when we put a, a, you know, a, a price a floor or you know, a minimum wage of $15 an hour, are we influencing or affecting numbers of hour per person that works or really, we're bringing, influencing how many people is getting employed and this influence on whom, which sector of the pe uh, people is affecting. This is, you analyze it and then you drive your politi uh, politics reason for it. On the other hand, if you're moving some kind of cash in the hand of the people extra, the people have a tendency of uh, spending more. So these are things we we'll go on the deep details of it in the future. Um, the, and the last thing we spoke about the, ta the effective of taxes on subsidies. So this is the end of the chapter. Let me know if you have any questions.